Hi everybody, welcome to Pet Human Tales. My name is Tess and I am your host. I'm a mother of four boys, two humans, and two English setters. I'm a photographer with a focus in pet photography, and I am now a podcaster. I've brought you this podcast to help share the stories of both humans and pets and the remarkable things that they can do. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi everyone, thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Today we are talking to Caitlin and Drew. They are owners of Crew Racing and Rehab and they are pet parents to their loving and adorable dog, Rudy. In today's episode, we talk about how Caitlin and Drew came to find Rudy, how he became a part of their family, and the ups and downs that they had as pet parents. Caitlin and Drew have invested so much of their time and love into Rudy and making him the best dog that he can be, and I think the information that they share with you in this episode is something that is so valuable to any pet parent or anyone who is thinking about pet ownership. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you are looking to connect with Caitlin and Drew, I have left their contact information in the show notes. Enjoy! Hi again, I just quickly wanted to let everyone know that my pet photography business, Sutter Marie Photography, is now booking sessions for the new year in 2020. We are so excited for the new decade. We already have some really fun and exciting sessions booked and I cannot wait to share those photos with you. If you are looking for more information to book a session, whether it's how much a session costs what the process is like, or what type of sessions you can book, you can look up my website and visit us at www.settermarie.com. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy. Caitlin, for joining me on today's episode. We will just jump right into the first question. So I always start with, this is a podcast about, about pets and their humans. So <laughs> you to tell us a little bit about yourselves um, and the work that both of you do. I will go first. So I'm Caitlin Sapp and my husband Drew is sitting right to my right here, kind of as per usual. <laughs> so I am a physical therapist and we own a business called Crew Racing and Rehab We've had our business since 2014, and then in 2018, we added uh, the physical therapy entity to it. So it just started as a triathlon coaching business because we have a really um, (laughs) insane hobby. Yeah, yeah. So we do uh, long course triathlons. So I think everybody knows the Hawaii Ironman because it's on television once a year, but we do that. We coach athletes to do that. And we coach, I mean, every level of it from people that are looking to do their first 5k to people that are doing their 20th Ironman. That's amazing. How did you both get started into that? Like, did you both separately do it before you met or was it once you got together? Yeah. So we, we both have a little bit of a 
different background and we actually met through triathlon. So I personally started triathlon. I swam in college and it was like my sport growing up. And then I graduated and basically I liked eating like a swimmer and I didn't want to stop. So I started running and I kept getting injured. So I was like, Oh, I got to do something. So I bought a bike and kind of dove head first into it. And then I met Caitlin through that. Yeah. So my background was I grew up playing basketball And when I went to college, I knew I was going to have to study pretty hard and focus on getting into grad school. And then I realized that, you know, you can't eat all the pizza and drink all the beer and not gain weight. (laughs) And so that's when I decided I better start running. So I went to Youngstown State University and I was just like, oh, I'll run to the McDonald's on Market Street. And then I realized if I kept doing that by myself, I'd probably get shot. (laughs) Uh, So then I bought a bike and well, actually somebody gave me a bike and I just kind of like would go a little further into Mill Creek Park each time. And then I jumped into a swimming pool and realized I didn't know how to swim Luckily, a few years later, I met Drew. We actually met at a triathlon. I was volunteering and he was racing. And then we became friends for about a year or so after that. And he was my first and only ever swim coach, got me a lot better at swimming. And eventually we started dating and (laughs) now we're married. (laughs) That is awesome. I love that. So I find that, I mean, this isn't always the case, but most active people, outdoorsy people, especially in the sport of triathlon, um, tend to also be animal lovers. So how did that kind of start for both of you through your lives? And was that something along with triathlon that you two connected on? Did you always know you'd want to have a dog and or cats or whatever it might be? Well, the thing with it was Kate had Rudy before me, so they were a package deal. So oh, I, I had that. to, yeah. So I had to to win his heart as well as hers. <laughs> yeah. So Rudy, his name is Rudolph because I was actually out on a run on Christmas Eve of 2013, and I was about to head back to my car, and I was like, oh, not quite halfway done. Let me retrace a few steps and make this extra loop in the park. And uh, so I turn around, went and did this this extra loop, and I look up, and I'm like, oh, crap, that's a puppy. And he was teeny tiny. He was like four months old, totally emaciated. So I put him in my jacket, and I walked him like, gosh, like three miles back to my car. And, um, you know, I put in a police report. I found dog report. I called the pound. I called the shelters, and eventually the park uh, police were like, ma'am, if you're finding a dog on Christmas Eve, this isn't an accident. People dump dogs around the holidays all the time. So I was trying to think of a name and I was like, Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, because I want to name him something Christmas like. <laughs> and my mom, I, I literally remember where I was when I got the text and she's like, well, what about Rudy, which is short for Rudolph? Like, oh, that's, that's so perfect. Cute. So did you do you usually go running on Christmas Eve or was that something that was like kind of rare fate? Um, yeah, it, no, it was totally random. Actually, it's a, there's a lot more to the story. So I had a dog, his name was Gus and I had him from the time I was seven to 22. And on Christmas Eve in 2011, I was at my parents' house cause I was home on Christmas break from college and I bent down and I was petting like right behind his ear and I felt this lump and I was like, Oh no. So we immediately called the vet like that morning, Christmas Eve morning, and we took him into the vet and the vet started crying. And here 
Gus was the first dog that that vet ever saved. So when Gus was a puppy, one of his testicles didn't drop and he was in shock and almost dead. We literally, this wasn't even our vet. We just showed up on his doorstep um, because our vet was, you know, 30 minutes in the other direction and this guy was only 10 minutes away. Showed up on his doorstep and took Gus into emergency surgery and saved his life. And so fast forward, you know, all those years later and he feels... Gus's lymph nodes and he starts crying and he's like this is the first dog I ever saved and now I have to tell you he's dying oh my god and uh yeah so that was Christmas Eve of 2011 and he didn't even live three weeks after that he had lymphoma and it was it was really terrible so then Christmas Eve exactly two years later is when I found Rudy that is such a crazy story wow how like I just I love stories like that. I've shared some other ones on this podcast about different things and I just I don't know, maybe it's corny, but I feel like dogs are sent to you, any animal sent to you for like a reason. And I just that's so neat that it was, you know, not neat that it was tragedy, but that it led to something better on right. the exact same day. Two years right. Later. I literally was like, That's a puppy and I'm supposed to be here right now. Because yeah. every Christmas Eve, I was like, you know, I was sad thinking about Gus and and whatnot. And yeah, it was it was pretty crazy cool. So kind of a double question, Caitlin, at that point in your life, did you feel like you were ready for a dog? Like, were you oh, like, ready no, to no, <laughs> not at all. I called in all the troops. I called my mom and sister and I was like, meet me here now we need to figure out like what to do and um oh but to answer your first question no I don't usually run on Christmas Eve but every Christmas Eve I do now and I take a leash and collar in the park and I go past where I found Rudy but um so no no I wasn't ready for a dog at all I was actually in my last semester of physical therapy school and I was doing this oh this clinical and it was four 10-hour shifts and I was studying for my boards and I was still working. And so on those 10 hour days, I was like, how am I going to take care of a puppy? And my sister, I remember her looking at him because we had him in the basement and she looks at him and she goes, what are you going to do with it? <laughs> and I was like, um, he's mine. Yeah. Like foster him, care for him, love him, whatever he needs me to do. And um, so my sister only lived a, uh, like right down the road. And so I would convince her, <laughs> I'd let her take a bubble bath in my bathtub if she'd come let him go potty on my late <laughs> days. And then I would come at um, lunch and let him out. So we just made it work. That is so neat. And so Drew, when you met Caitlin, like was a dog something you had in your plans or did it take some warming up or how'd that work? Ah, uh, so... It took a while to meet Rudy when we were dating. I think it was, what, three months? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it was actually kind of a crazy story how we met even. He had – so do you want to talk about that? Do you want me <laughs> to go into Rudy's history now? <laughs> yeah, you can. I feel like we can just dive into the whole thing. Yeah, so – Rudy has a history. So I found him. And um, at the time, I had gone through quite an awful breakup and had moved back into my parents' house. And Drew was an hour and some minutes away in Newcastle when we eventually started dating. And so that's why Rudy and Drew didn't meet really right off the bat. So 
Rudy, um, he was at my mom's house and he was chewing a vet approved, you know, those Nyla bones. And he's a lab pit mix. So he's got like that pit jaw, but lab chewing tendencies. And this dog will destroy a toy in less than 10 seconds. I've never seen anything like it. So he was chewing a Nyla bone and it chipped off into his belly. And we didn't know, you know, there's, I mean, my mom had other dogs. There was probably like 10 Nyla bones laying around the house. Right. So then his belly got kind of upset. And so he started, you know, kind of like eating everything. He had a, one of those string toys, like the tug of war toys. And here he ate that. And so we took him to the vet on Friday and we're like, he's just kind of acting funny. They gave him an anti-nausea shot. And we're like, oh, he's probably just, you know, sick. Well, like Monday, he could barely even get up and he was so much worse. Took him back to the vet and they did the x-ray, which it looked like a string of pearls was in his belly. So it looked like, you know, a piece of a nyla bone and then the string, another piece of nyla bone, the string. And what that did is that proliferated his small, his small intestine. So he immediately had to be rushed up to um, the emergency vet in Akron. And he was in puppy ICU for eight days. They did the first emergency surgery. And then after that first emergency sur- surgery, he went septic. And so they called me and they're like, ma'am, we want to tell you that your dog's not doing well. Um, he's septic. We have to do another surgery. What do you want us to do? And I was like, dog was my life. Like, what do you mean? What do I want you to do? Um, so I found him in December and then that was in June. So just barely, not even six months later. And they're like, well, it's really expensive. Um, your bill right now is about $3,500 and it's going to double if we save him and go into another surgery. And I just remember saying, like, I'll edit it, but <laughs> what the F are you talking about? Save my effing puppy. Yeah. Like, what do you, what do you mean? Right. It, like, he'll probably be fine. What do you want to do? Well, get off the phone and save my dog. That's what yeah, I want you to do. Now. Oh, man. It was so scary and stressful. And um, yeah, eight days in puppy ICU, two emergency surgeries, and even broker broke college student. And I was ready to, he was out able to have some visitors after um, the second surgery. And so, you know, Drew's with me and we're in this little room. He's off of his IV pole and they open the door for Rudy to come in the visitor room and I'm sitting on the ground, you know, and Drew's sitting on the little bench. And what do you know? This dog looks at me, turns away and runs right to Drew. Gosh. Yeah, I was like, my free puppy literally just turned into a $7,000 dog. And he like barely glanced at me out of the corner of my eye and ran straight to Drew. That is so funny. Yeah. So I mean, that is I my cousins have bird dogs and they actually have insurance on them. Like in case they have they tear their ACLs a lot because of their hunting oh, okay. and always running around and being crazy and for that reason. And that's something my husband and I have like talked about. Is that something we get? Because, you know, what do you do when vet costs just skyrocket out of nowhere? And if you don't mind sharing, like, I know a lot of vets have payment plans or some people do like a GoFundMe was, did you have options as far as that went? Uh, So I did care credit, 
what happened yeah, was they gave me the summary and yeah, no filter. It was like $7,300. And yeah. <laughs> I literally, um, I was in grad school that month. I was taking my boards in July and I remember selling my bike in July, selling my mountain bike in July so I could pay my July rent. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, that's what grad school is. <laughs> and Right. And I'm selling my bike so I could pay my rent. I have to pass my boards the next week. If not, like, I have no idea how I'm going to pay my rent or live or eat. And I mean, I was working. So I was um, working probably like 25, 30 hours as um, like a secretary in a PT office. And so when I applied for care credit, I was like, oh, this will be easy. Well, they approved me $2,500. And I was like, oh, $2,500 isn't going to cut it. But it was like after normal business hours. So I'm at I'm at uh, my job the next morning and I'm sitting in the office and I'm like, okay, 8 a.m. I'm calling care credit. I call and the guy, you know, I was like, listen, like, God willing, I'm going to be a PT in a few weeks. Um, I will have a salaried income, but I don't know what to do. And I need to go pick my dog up this afternoon. And I told him what happened. He put me on hold for like 10 minutes, longest 10 minutes of my life. And he comes back and he's like, okay, ma'am, you're now approved for $7,000 through care credit. Thanks for saving your puppy. Have a good day. Wow. Yeah, it was fantastic. And then out of school, like, you know, I'm going to pay off my student loans. That's going to be my first thing I pay off. And nope, it was Rudy. (laughs) (laughs) And aside aside from the woman who was on the phone with you for far too long asking you questions, was the vet that you went through were they helpful with all of that like did they give oh, you advice amazing. yeah oh. they were so amazing they literally called me three times a day it was amazing yeah that's amazing I know there's so much that goes into pet ownership and I think that cost is one of them you have to be responsible and be prepared to be able to pay obviously just the annual fees even but Mm -hmm. nothing in anything in life could happen with a huge expense like that so I don't always think it should deter you from getting a pet like you in your example you have options and I always you know tell people when it comes to my kids too like you can't always think worst case scenario you know like if you want to get a pet and you have the finances to maintain it, then I think that's just the risk you take. And you look at the emergencies as they come if, you know, God forbid that happens. So, yeah, we just kind of have an emergency fund at this point. I mean, like we just took Rudy to the vet a week ago for his regular routine visit and it was 300, 400 bucks. So, Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. I call Oakley like our, problem child in the sense of health issues he's our adopted one and he's just like a nervous Nelly and always just seems to have something wrong with him like he gets a rash every fall so he's always on medication mm-hmm. and creams and he racks up our bills a lot so well that's an amazing story I think even beyond the podcast probably the most amazing like gotcha story about a dog I've ever heard so yeah that's what I tell him all the time I said the best decision I was ever able to make in my life was being able to save yours I love that you I should... always tell him yeah you need to get a sign made that says that and put it <laughs> in the dog bed <laughs> so 
going back a little bit and you can both touch on this however much or little you want but I know Caitlin you mentioned you had pets uh, another pet growing up um when do you feel like you both had a love for animals and was it always dogs are you cat people as well and what kind of made you I mean you're love for Rudy I feel like is how everyone should feel about their pet but not everyone does so where did that all kind of start yeah so I mean for me like we grew up we had a dog when I was real little and then we had some cats but like where I became where I really started liking animals was when I was in sixth or seventh grade every single weekend me and my family would go walk rescue dogs at the Humane Society down in Pittsburgh uh, which was pretty close to, to where I grew up and you know, it was one of those things. My mom and dad were like, we're never getting a dog. We're not getting a dog. And then we found a dog that we had to get. And her name was, she was a Keyshawn and she was like nine years old or something like that. And she weighed 13 pounds. She was supposed to weigh like 40. And me and my brother just fell in love with this dog. And we convinced our parents that we were getting frou-frou. So that was kind of where it all, all started for us. Um, did you name her that? My sister did. Okay. Yeah, we did we didn't name her that, but, uh, <laughs> she was just this sweet dog. You know, she had, uh, she was a great dog I and mean, she eventually had cataracts and couldn't really hear, but she was just so sweet or see. Yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah. And then we had her and then she, we had her for probably seven years or so. So she had a good, good last seven years of her life. And that was definitely where it started for me. And then we rescued another dog after that. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I can't imagine a household without a dog at this point. Yeah, exactly. So you were already kind of used to caretaking for animals. Yeah. That. yeah. Uh, growing up, I, I mean, we always had all kinds of animals. My grandparents had a farm, so we always had, you know, cows and horses and chickens and everything there. And then even at our house, which was about five minutes away, my dad always had coon dogs uh, we always had puppies raising the dogs we would always find strays so whether we were taking them in or rehoming them I had a million cats like just kind of living out in the country that's um, how things <laughs> progress out there I guess so yeah even when I was a kid I definitely loved animals but I think as just you get experiences like as you become an adult and that's really like I've always loved them it was just nature to love them but then when I realized that I could advocate for them and be their voice that's when I feel like I really really fell in love with like a higher purpose of loving a dog yeah and you said that I feel the same way but go ahead keep going uh yeah so we live about less than 90 seconds away from our local shelter here and it's an animal charity it's a no-kill shelter they have about 40 40 dogs or so on a regular basis and we can go and we can walk them and I just think it's so powerful like I grew up in a household where um, my mom she's a special ed teacher and she's retiring after this year this will be her 41st year my sister's also a special ed teacher in the same district and like growing up, I just always was so mesmerized by my mother and her loyalty and her voice. Like she, I remember her saying before, I'd say, mom, like, why aren't you retiring? And she'd just say, well, who's going to feed my kids or who's going to take care of my kids? 
And we just grew up with that mentality to, you know, be loyal to what you believe in. And even growing up, I was bullied a lot. And, um, you know, I kind of just had to be my own voice in what I believed in. And then I turned into, you know, as you get older, you get more like your mother, some people. I definitely do. (laughs) And I remember in high school and I would see, you know, her kids getting bullied and I just would not stand for it at all. And then you see, you know, you have less of those intimate relationships as you get older and you kind of, I've seen it a lot in the animal world is like, okay, well, I'm not as close to people getting bullied, but now you see animals getting bullied and just being able to stand up for that and stand up for them and, you know, just being a little voice in a big world for, for those animals that you know, don't have a voice. And that's definitely how I fell more in love with it. Yeah, I love that. And we kind of, I guess, know each other through a mutual friend, but I started following you and Drew on Instagram first, like maybe three years ago, just because I was, I'm a fangirl of the sport of triathlon, but not at a point in my life where I have time to train. But I started following you too. And then you started making posts about dogs and we connected a little bit on that. And then we became Facebook friends. And that's how I knew you and I were like so similar when it came <laughs> right. to our dog love. Because when I first became your friend, I remember like your first five posts that I saw of yours were like sharing of different humane societies or shelters with dogs that needed adopted. And I know that you, um, it looks like you also volunteer here and there, like walking dogs and things like that. So can you touch on how much time you spend on that or just whenever you get a chance or how does that work? So I'm going to jump in real quick. So I mean, you started, Kate started posting the uh, dog pictures from the Humane Society, what, like probably a year and a half, two years ago. In the first like three months of it, you know how many questions I got of people asking, when are you guys getting another dog? <laughs> like ours is, ours is a great only child. But yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's what um, our dog, Wesson, we got Oakley because we thought Wesson was lonely. Of course, I think that's what everyone thinks. And I actually do a lot of research on dog behavior now, being a pet photographer. And I actually have come to find that dogs don't necessarily need other dog socialization as much as they prefer human socialization. Um, So I wish I would have known that (laughs) back then, (laughs) although we love Oakley and are so happy we have him. But uh, Wesson even to this day, like if Oakley's not around, there's no depression, no like (laughs) sadness whatsoever. And my vet even mentioned that to us because I mentioned maybe rescuing another, just because you get that overwhelm. Like there's so many dogs that need a home and I have to do Mm -hmm. something. But um, he even said, you know, you have to think about the well-being of the dogs you do have as well, which is so true. So for Wesson's sake, like he, was probably not a second dog type of, you know, guy anyways. And he's definitely not going to be a third dog. Third dog. Guy. So yeah, definitely believe in that. Um, yeah, but we're real lucky with our shelter. They're mm-hmm. open one to seven every day and they have um, like designated walk hours. I think, well, they have like a nine to one slot. And then I want to say like a four to seven slot. Um but we just go whenever we can. 
and yeah. they'll just they know I love pit bulls so they'll just look at me and go in the back and grab a pit bull or two and let us walk and we're it's like less than a tenth mile away from a bike trail so we literally drive a minute to get there you get a dog and then you can walk right to the bike trail where there's very little traffic no dilemmas or distractions mm-hmm. it's it's really really great that's amazing. And so you two are near Youngstown, Ohio, correct? Yep. Which is um, near the Pennsylvania border. Yeah, Pittsburgh, we're like... For all those that don't know. Yeah, we're like halfway between Pittsburgh and Cleveland. Okay. And so I know every shelter and humane society is different, but what did you two have to go through to be able just to show up or call and help and volunteer there? We just kind of started showing up. Yeah, and, we had um, to fill out waivers yeah. and forms and take in I, our IDs. Yeah, but um, I think this one there, it's not the biggest one in Youngstown, so it's it's kind of forgotten about sometimes. I think in that respect, so I think they're just kind of looking for whatever help they can get. There's there's a great group of people that that do volunteer there and help out though. Awesome. Well, so I'm going to brag on you two a tiny bit more as well, because <laughs> I did photos um, for you both and Rudy a couple weeks ago and was, I think I told you in person, but just so you know, again, so impressed with how much time and patience you've dedicated to his training, because Caitlin, I know you and I chatted he was abandoned. And even though he was a puppy with that comes some issues. And he, I think every dog just has their own behaviors that just like people you start to learn. And can you talk a little bit about some of the behaviors that you really had to work with, with Rudy and how that process worked? And I think it's really important for people to know as well. A lot of times, whether the behavior is mild or severe, people will give their dogs up to a shelter or, abandon it um for a lot of different reasons and so I think it's so important for you two to share how you dedicated yourself to improving him and he was amazing like the sweetest dog I've ever met and just to see the other side of what training can do and what being dedicated to a dog can do for them was so great so talk about that yeah so Rudy is Rudy and (laughs) That is okay. So I'm going to butcher this, like the science behind it, but I'm going to give it my best. (laughs) So we actually started to work with a pet behaviorist and her name's Jenny and she's at Dog Smarts. It's amazing. It's, um, there's no fear induced training, no shock collars, nothing like that. She literally just is a behaviorist for your dog. Um, so we did a couple sessions with her and she just taught us so much, but the most important thing being is cause I used to think like, Oh, what is wrong with Rudy? Like, what am I doing wrong? What am I not understanding? Why? And this isn't something I talk about often, but you know, why does he have such anxiety? Why is, is he aggressive? Is he fearful? Like, what is it? And it is hard as an owner to live with a dog that has fear-based aggression because you're afraid that you might open the door and Amazon will be there and he'll run out and scare somebody or you're scared to death to have anybody in your house. And it was getting to the point where, you know, Drew and I had a new house. We have a beautiful backyard with a pool. We want to have people over, but we were afraid that Rudy wouldn't handle it well. 
So we just got to the point where we had to take action. And the best thing that Jenny taught me was like dogs have two learning phases. They have, and like this is what part that I'm going to butcher, but they have like zero to four months and then again at six to ten months. And that's when they learn like their socialization skills, their confidence, their environment. And if you look at Rudy, at four months, he was emaciated and abandoned and left to freeze to death. And then at um, 10 months is when he had his surgeries. So both of those periods where he has the time and the capabilities to function and learn like a normal dog, he was in bad shape for both of those. So that really disturbed his ability to learn. And so we just really learned Rudy. And what was important and something that I read one time that just made so much sense to me was if your dog's giving you warning signs and you're the one not listening, well, then who's the slow learner? (laughs) And so like Rudy didn't like people coming into his house. And so we had to learn the right way to let people into Rudy's house and introduce him just like we did with you. Like he doesn't want to see people leave and enter the house. So let's sit down and, you know, get him comfortable and do a slow introduction because that's what he's comfortable with. And, you know, if he's going to give us warning signs that he doesn't like something, then it's my responsibility as his owner to listen to that and to respect that. And I think that's just something that like it goes back to being an advocate for him and for other rescue or abandoned or sheltered adopted dogs is, you know, they they have their signs and, you know, their little bark voice to tell you these things. But you need to learn what they're responding to, you know, just like I expect my husband to know that when I'm hungry, I need fed. <laughs> That's right. Like now. Um, <laughs> and so I think that was like the best part of our training was just that he's telling me everything I need to know. I just need to listen. Yeah, I love that. And um, when I came over, just for everyone listening, Rudy had his own little process and Caitlin and Drew coached me on it before I walked in or right when I walked in. And I mean, it probably took a total of four or five minutes until he got used to me and there were certain things you had me do so that it didn't startle him or anything and once we did exactly what you told me to do he was just the most loving dog that kind of forgets we exist once he once he makes a new friend for for a little bit and I mean luckily like he he did warm up to you quickly we always tell people whenever they're coming over we're like for the first time and Rudy's out we're like you know this is probably going to take about 20 minutes and it a lot of the times it doesn't take 20 minutes. It takes five, 10 minutes, but it's like, eh, better to have it safe. Cause like sometimes we, we bring him out and he first sees you and you can't calm him down. So then you have to leave the room again, or like me and Ru- Rudy will leave the room again and then come back and it'll be a little bit better. And it's just the process of exactly what Caitlin said, just reading his signs and, and then adapting to him. It's a lot like marriage. Yeah, exactly. And I I was just going to say, I think it's such an important life lesson instead of being like, oh, I wish our situation were this way. It's like, this is our situation and this is how we have to handle things with him. And once you do that and take the time and the patience with him, then he's just a normal dog, you know? Right. right. And then there's still situations that like we know he's not going to be comfortable with. So we avoid. So we have... Friendsgiving and we just had a 30th birthday party for Drew. And so, you know, we have 
15, 25 people in our house. And we know that's just going to be too much stress. So luckily, uh, one of my best friends, her aunt owns a kennel. I mean, we can hear the dogs. Well, we call it, it's called pet resort and spa. So we call it vacation. Um, but the spa is, I mean, probably less than a mile away. You can hear the dogs bark from our backyard and he loves it. You say, Ruru, you want to go on vacation? And he's like, yeah, and I'm going to not sleep for a day and I'm going to come back with no voice and I'm going to be dirty and I'm going to play. And um, so when we have a big group, we just know that's going to be way too much stress for him. He likes to go to vacation. So if we have an event, you know, a party once or twice a year, we do take him. We take him to the kennel. And that's just better for everybody. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, and he really likes it. I mean, he's got a lot of fun and, and it gets him a little socialized. We always buy him um, – playtime and Rudy doesn't really like to play (laughs) so he gets to lay outside and because when he's around um other a lot of other people or a lot of other dogs and has a high stress situation he will get the dog flu because um his surgery they resected a third of his small intestine and so he's got zero immune system and like the vet said you know you can have a bored dog so like he has to be crated you can have a bored dog like B-O-R-E-D or a dead dog. It's up to you. Mm-hmm. So like if we're around crowds, like, you know, we have to make sure Rudy doesn't get into anything. Nobody gives him some arbitrary toy that he can't have. So it's kind of just safer for him and for us to separate himself from the situation if we're going to have, you know, like I said, 15, 25 people over. And that's just something that we've learned. Yeah, I think getting – to know your dog is so important. And I think there are some people that don't think that they have personalities to learn, you know, a dog is just a dog, but I, it's amazing to me. I was just in Florida for a week on vacation over the holidays and just coming back. And it's almost like having kids, you know, when you get a babysitter, you get a chance to go out by yourself, you know, with anything in life, when you get a break from it and you go back to it, you just, have a whole new appreciation for it and you just regain patience as well. And Oakley was being really anxious before we left. And when we came back, I just feel like I have so much more patience to just really take the time to figure out what's wrong, what's bothering him. Um, And he's happier when I do that. It's amazing when you invest in them, they give it right back to you almost automatically. Like they catch on so quickly. Oh, for sure. There's mm-hmm. nobody that Rudy loves more than his people. I always say he's kind of got like an octagon of people <laughs> that can, it's not a square anymore and it's not like a full circle, but we're getting there. a few people that can just walk in the front door. Yes. And I will tell everyone too, I saw this thing on Facebook and I think it's so good for everyone to read and you can just Google it, but there's a post going around called 12 New Year's Resolutions for Dog Owners. And it goes through some of the stuff we're talking about, like get to know your dog, learn more about canine body language, go on more adventures with your dogs and different things like that. And even me reading through it, I was like, I shouldn't say even me. I just because I'm a pet photographer does not mean I'm like an amazing dog owner. But reading through it as much time as I spend with my dogs, I was like, oh, my gosh, yeah, I really have been lacking in that area. I need to step it up. So nice reminders. Um, so kind of moving on, we're getting towards the end here. Um, how does Rudy play a role in your life in the sense that I mentioned being away? It was so strange coming home. I felt like 
an anxiety I didn't know I had was lifted just these past two days being reunited with my dogs. And Mm -hmm. I realized how big of a role they play in my life, whether I'm, you know, down in my office editing photos, they're right next to me. Um, Whether I'm, you know, just playing with the kids, they're there, just letting them outside, getting some fresh air with them is amazing for me. And them. just every thing I do in my day that revolves around them, they truly are uh, a companion for me and my family and also selfishly an anxiety relief, just their (laughs) love and affection. And I always say Wesson is so fluffy, like the one cartoon, like you're so fluffy. Um, And so with that example, how does Rudy play a role in your life, in your business? How does he affect your day to day? And also with how busy you both are, how does he kind of intertwine into all of that? I know with triathlon, there's like a lot of traveling and things like that. So how do you get babysitters and all that good stuff? Yeah. So yikes. (laughs) I probably shouldn't admit this. Um, Rudy (laughs) is pretty much human in my eyes. <laughs> uh, we have, we, Drew and I have been together by almost six years. I've had Rudy, well, I've had Rudy six years as of Christmas Eve. So yeah, all the three of us have almost all been together for about six years. And we have always had a revolving door schedule around Rudy. Like it doesn't matter how busy, how professional our days need to be. Somebody has to be home to let him potty. And because like I said, he has to be crated. And that's just for his safety. Because the vet reminds me, you can have a bored dog or a dead dog. If he were to ever chew anything again, we don't have enough to save him. Right. Enough of his belly left. But I mean, he does. Like he's graduated to a memory foam bed inside of his crate. So he actually really likes it. Like full bone memory foam. He's pretty spoiled. Sometimes uh, when we get him out, he doesn't. He doesn't get out. Yeah, he, he just, just lays, lays there and looks at you for like <laughs> 10, 20 minutes. That's awesome. Yeah. So there's actually a funny um, story about the business side of things and the name and where it came from. So our business is Crew Racing and Rehab. So if you take Crew, C-R-E-W, we were sitting on Drew's couch, goodness, forever ago. And I'm like, oh, this is such a nice little crew that we have here, me, you, Rudy. And I'm like, wait, Crew, Kate. Drew, Rue. I was like, that's our names because we always call them Rudy, but Rue for short. Right. So I'm like, C R E W, Kate, Drew, Rue. And I was like, that could be the name of our business because we just started coaching and we hadn't set up a business entity. We like didn't even have a name, barely had a brand. And I'm like, crew, that's it. It's crew. It's all three of us. And so you know, people will be like, oh, do you do like rowing crew? And I'm just like, no, that's just my husband, my name and our dog's name put together. So crew is just like, it's just something that's like so special to me because it makes me think of, you know, my, my husband and my puppy. And so we always try to say that, you know, it started with a lot of love and passion in our hearts, especially with it being our names, that that's what we want to radiate to the people that we get to work with and care for and guide in whether it's training or rehab. And so I think just starting it with, you know, so much love and care and just being able to reflect that on what we do as a brand and in business is really important for us. Yeah, 
I love that so much. That's uh, my name obviously comes from my dogs as well. And I don't think anyone or a lot of people sometimes don't realize it because English setters and Irish setters even are sometimes a bit of a lost breed at times, unless you're a hunter or something like that. But um, I feel the same way. There's just like something special about having your heart and soul professionally have a piece of, you know, someone or something you care about so much makes it all worth it. Oh, for sure. Awesome. Well, this is my favorite question. So I'm not sure if you two had time to think about it or if you're just going to answer on the fly, but um, tell me your favorite, funniest or cutest story you have about Rudy. We got a, we're going to be here for a while with this one. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we got a lot of like the individual ones, but we have a little bit of a routine every night when Rudy gets ready for bed. So Rudy loves the couch. Like it's probably his favorite place in the whole planet. Maybe minus like bed. And he loves to cuddle. He has to be in the middle. He has to be touching his people. Yeah, it's it's a little ridiculous at some points. The position that he'll get into and you're looking at him, you're like, this isn't, there's no way that's comfortable. And he's perfectly happy. Yeah, but, I'm out uh, you two for a second. I might use that photo you just sent me of him being <laughs> like a baby to advertise this podcast episode, just so you know. <laughs> oh, I have a lot of them. Oh, yeah. So that's part of the routine. Um, every night when he's about to get ready for bed or we're about to take him potty before he goes to bed, we do what's called baby Rudy. And I pick him up and hold him like a baby and we go sit in our recliner chair and I just hold him like a little baby. And Rudy's not a little, little baby. He's close to 60 pounds. <laughs> but uh, he will sit there for hours if you let him and don't just cuddle. That is so amazing. We have a lot of baby Rudy pictures. Oh my gosh. You should just make a collage, like a wall collage of them all. <laughs> so awesome. All right. So anything else you two want to add? Or I mean, we covered a lot. That I'm so excited about this episode. I just think we covered so many good topics. So yeah, just you know, if you have an extra, even if you don't have an extra second in your day, but you pass the shelter, shelter's not far out of your way, or take a Saturday morning to go. And it's just amazing to see. And that's what's like for us, you know, I would have 10 dogs if I could, but with Rudy's, you know, anxiety, he doesn't really like other dogs with his poor immune system. I know that he has to be an only child. So it's like, what can I do to help other dogs? And you just feel so much love. I mean, you see these shelter dogs that I'm going to be honest, I have never, ever, ever, ever walked a shelter dog that is less behaved than Rudy Mm -hmm. like every one of those dogs are 10,000 times better than my child in public oh I completely agree yeah my first dog that we uh that we bought as a puppy he's insane and I put that on me as well but yes he is so hyper and I agree the shelter dogs are like triple right they love other people they're around other dogs all the time like they know how to look you in the eyes. They can appreciate and reciprocate that, you know, they're hanging out with you for the day. They are so well behaved. And then God forbid I take Rudy on a walk. He's so lazy. He refuses to run. He can he barely wants to ever go for a walk. And then we see another dog and he barks his head off. <laughs> it's 
just like, oh, my child is so ill-behaved compared to these poor shelter dogs. And I mean, like, even if you spend a half an hour, you can walk two or three dogs in a half an hour. It doesn't take much. And, you know, just if you make it part of your maybe even just weekly or a monthly routine, you feel really good after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's I think it's one of the really valuable things to do when you're just having a bad day. Like for us, it's easy because you see the shelter on the way home from work and it's like, it was a rough day and that's a really cute dog out front. And now before I know it, I'm in the parking lot. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's, it's the best therapy you can, you can do and it's minus background checks or whatever your humane society <laughs> charges. It's worth every penny of it. So I love that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much to both of you for being on. I initially started because Caitlin and I talk on social media all the time. So I had asked her to be a guest. But then when I did the photos for all three of you, I was like, okay, this is a package deal. These three, like if I'm going to do this podcast episode, I need to get everyone into it. And you guys are truly like such an inspirational pet owning family. And I really encourage, I'll put all of your contact information in the notes of this show, but I encourage anyone who has more questions for Caitlin and Drew to reach out to both of you if you don't mind getting some more questions sent your way for people interested. That would be great. Okay, awesome. All right, well, thank you again, and I will talk to you both soon. Thanks, Tess. Thank you. Thanks everyone for tuning into this episode of Pet Human Tales. We'll see you next time.